When you have a kid, you're constantly looking down and you forget to look your spouse in the eye. I think I heard him say something one time like, oh, I'm used to this. You guys are always fighting. And I was like, "Ugh, you know, dagger to the heart. It's something that we can do every day, but it will make such a huge difference in the way your partner perceives the connection that he or she has with you. Hi, everyone. Lynn Smith here, and welcome to Stroller Coaster, the podcast that takes you on the wild ride of parenting that we're all on together, created by Munchkin, the most loved baby brand in the world. I am so excited about this jam-packed show. There's so much valuable information here. So first, we're going to dig deep into today's topic as we explore what happens when you cannot stand how your spouse parents. I'm going to talk with Amy McCready to find out what's really going on here. And then we'll hear about a couple who are finding their way from arguing all the time back to some romance in their lives. Then we're going to talk with the one and only fitness motivator, Sean T. He helps people train transform their lives. He also helps me transform my parenting mindset. I know he's going to do the same for you. And as always, stick around because you might just end up winning something. So let's get started. This can be really tricky, and I think it goes both ways. I mean, one instance that happened recently with my oldest is he got in trouble for something that he said that was not nice to my husband, and the punishment or the discipline piece of this by my husband was, well, we're not going to go and insert activity that they were headed to, to which my oldest just melted down, begging his dad to take him, pleading that he was sorry, he was sorry, and my husband stuck to his guns, which many people would say, listen, that's the way that you should be parenting. I intervened, and I said out loud, look, he's apologizing, just take him. I can imagine my husband was pretty frustrated because I've been there. I've done something or said something that's my style of discipline, and my husband's intervened. And what do I feel? Totally frustrated, angry. Like you're just, you, you, you know, you're contradicting me right in front of our kids. That doesn't feel good as a mom. And I'm sure it didn't feel good to him in that moment as a dad. Yeah. I mean, anytime there's that disagreement. Well, for us in my family, it's it is that thing where if one of us is with the kids and there's an ongoing issue, like I want a snack and we've dug our heels in and then the other parent walks in and is like, hey, um, nah, it's fine. And you're like, I've been working on this for 20 <laughs> minutes. We can't give in now. It, it's that like just different points of view. You're coming in and it gets incredibly frustrating. That can feel so frustrating because you feel like you have st- stuck to your principles, you've stuck to your parenting, and then this person who's supposed to be on your team just came and undid all the work you've been doing. Yeah, I've been building this tower of blocks of parenting (laughs) for so long, and you came in and smashed it. (laughs) How did she take it when you said that to her? Not great. Let me be honest, not great. (laughs) It's really a delicate dance for us as parents to know how far do you go. And one of the problems is that you don't know how your spouse is going to parent until you're both parents. I mean, one minute you're dating, things are sexy and fun. You have all the time in the world to focus on each other. And then all of a sudden you're like, who's this person? What did I get myself into? And what in the world are they doing handling our children this way? So what do you do when you can't stand how your spouse parents? We're going to do our best to answer that question. 
am so thrilled to talk to our expert today about what happens when you can't stand how your spouse parents. Amy McCready, she is a best-selling author who's been featured on the Today Show, CBS This Morning, CNN, Fox and Friends, MSNBC, Rachel Ray, Steve Harvey, and others. Amy, there's nowhere you haven't been featured because your material is so powerful for parents. I've experienced myself, so thank you for being with me. Oh, Lynn, thank you so much for having me. It is such a treat to be able to talk to you. I want to get right into this because we're not talking about maybe this mild disagreement with your spouse every once in a while. That's going to happen. We're really talking about not being able to stand it the way your partner handles things with your kids. It can drive you nuts. It can erupt in arguments repeatedly. What's really going on when this happens? Well, you're right. We all have those minor disagreements, whether it's about how to handle technology or bedtime or family chores. But when there are major ongoing disagreements, when you can't stand the way your partner parents, there's almost always a deeper issue here. So just like when parents have fights over money or sex or the partner's work schedule, it's usually not about the money or sex or the work schedule. It's typically an issue of unmet needs. So if you can think about us all having a love account or an emotional bank account or whatever you want to call it, if one or both of the partner's needs for love and intimacy and connection aren't being met, our accounts are depleted, we're going to have more disagreements. And what often happens is those disagreements happen in areas that are most important to the other person. So if parenting and the way we discipline is really important to you, as your partner, if I'm not feeling prioritized and appreciated and I'm, my account is depleted, I may just dig in my heels in that area. I think what's so useful about that is it's sort of a layer that I would not have thought of, right? When I think of you can't stand how your spouse parents, it's like, well, you don't want them to do it that way. But it might be something that's going on with you or them. Um, you, you talk about these unmet needs. What, what kind of things would that look like? It might not just be something you're not getting from your spouse. It could be work's not going so well, or maybe you've been in a big fight. How do you overcome that? If you think about the way we acted with our partners when we were first dating or first married, we we took the time to have um, moments of intimacy and we did acts of kindness and love and service and all of those things that keep us connected as a couple. But think about what happens once you have kids, like everything is a priority kids are all consuming. We parents are totally exhausted. And then we kind of put our partner on the back burner. And so we're spending less time together. Maybe we're not prioritizing his or her emotional needs. And so we kind of transition from being romantic partners to taskmasters and schedule keepers. And over time, that just sort of builds up and it breeds resentment. And you know, it, it could be as simple as, as I, I had a bad day at work, but more often than not, it's the feeling that one partner is not feeling appreciated and prioritized. Uh, sometimes the one partner feels like the other parent is sort of aligning more with the kids than with him or her. So there's always just a lot going on under the surface that we have to kind of dig into. I think everyone has felt this way, especially when you have really little ones, that there isn't a way to prioritize because this, these little humans need us so much. So how do we make the time? Because we might not feel like we not only don't have the time, but we don't have the resources. We don't have the money to spend on a babysitter. Are there simple ways to prioritize each other? 
Yes, and you're probably you might be surprised by this, but I know it's a strategy that you're familiar with. So there's actually a parenting tool that translates beautifully to this issue with your partner. It's called Mind, Body, and Soul Time, and it's one of the best tools for your kids to bring out the best behavior in them. So for kids, what it looks like is spending 10 to 15 minutes every day, one-on-one, when you're fully present in mind, body, and soul and doing what the child wants to do. So the great thing about this is during that 10 minutes, your kid does not have to compete with their siblings or your phone or anything else for your time and attention. So it's a silver bullet parenting tool because it works so well to bring out the best behavior in your kids, but it's also a magical relationship tool. Because remember, what we're talking about is prioritizing your partner. So you don't have to go out on dates. You don't have to spend money. This can happen after the kids are in bed. But instead of just you know chilling out with a Netflix episode, really take the time, no TV, no other distractions, and prioritize your partner. Spend that 10 to 15 minutes in mind, body, and soul where you are totally present. You are in the moment and completely focused on that person and their needs. And whether it's prioritizing um, the physical connection or just you know talking about their day or whatever it is, really letting them know that they are the priority, not the dishes and the laundry and the kids and everything else, it's almost magical in its effectiveness because after a week or so of doing that, and you don't have to make a big announcement that that's what you're doing, but you just show up and you be in the moment for that person. And you will slowly see that they start to become more easygoing. Um, They're more agreeable on things. Your communication is better. They want to be on your team. So it's just making that effort. And it doesn't take a long time because we don't have a lot of time, just 10 or 15 minutes. It doesn't have to cost money to hire a babysitter. It's something that we can do every day, but it will make such a huge difference in the way your partner perceives the connection that he or she has with you. And when it comes to the big issues like parenting, it's going to be easier to get in alignment. I love this solution because I know it works with my children. So what about when you genuinely want to advocate for your child when you see your spouse doing something that you can't stand, that your disagreement is more about, hey, wait, this is my kid. I'm not going to let you do this. What do you do about that? If there's a situation where um, harm is being done, like the child is being hurt physically or emotionally, where there's yelling or screaming, anything that could cause emotional harm, we have to step in step in immediately and shut it down. Now, you can do that in a way that is calm and loving, but you could just say, you know what, sweetie, I'll take over here. You know, Why don't you go and get some air? I'll step in. So it doesn't feel like you're undermining your partner, but you're just coming in to help because you are a team. Now, obviously, if, if those types of harmful interactions emotionally or physically are happening in your home, we need to get some help for that. Getting some counseling or some other supportive services is going to be really important for that family. What about when it's not serious harm, but you feel like it's going to harm their confidence or self-esteem later? Like, let's say one parent always says to the kids that they don't know what you're talking about, or they're sarcastic to the child, or maybe gets annoyed every time they make a mistake rather than having that thoughtful conversation of pick yourself up, try, try to do it again. How do you really, you want to be present, you want to stop and say, honey, I love you, but 
the self-control, we're exhausted and we are mama bears or papa bears where we're protective of our kids and we are going to swoop in. It's instinct. Yes. And in those moments, that is so difficult. But I want you to think about what is solved in the moment. So if you address that with your partner right in the moment, what happens? Well, you appear to be aligned with the child and not with your partner. Your partner gets defensive and it drives a bigger wedge between the parents, right? So we have to have that conversation outside of the moment. And so after the situation has passed, everybody has calmed down, we have the conversation. And it can be, again, just that observation. You know, I noticed when you were having the conversation with Joseph about the iPad and you said, or whatever, you know, relay whatever happened. I'm sure that you did not mean for it to come across this way, but based on his body language, it seemed to me like he felt pretty discouraged or he felt scared, whatever it was. And then, and talk about that, but you have to allow your partner to save face because again, we all want the same things. They, we want to raise healthy, happy, capable, confident, independent, resilient kids. And, and he or she may think that that's the way to do that. Um, but coming from a place of love and working on solutions. Now, one of the things that I really love to use is that in-the-moment nonverbal signal. So if you can talk with your partner and say like, hey, if I notice that one of the kids is looking scared or discouraged or whatever, can I give you a nonverbal? And so maybe it's you putting your hand over your heart or something that isn't going to draw big attention, but your partner will like see that and be like, okay, okay, I see what's happening here. And say, I want you to do the same thing to me because sometimes I bring up my big mom voice and it scares the kids and I need for you to tell me when I'm doing that. So can we have that nonverbal that we can use with each other? And then when that happens, you know, hopefully you can cue each other. Now, if your partner is just completely unwilling to do that or, um, you know, you're, you've tried this and they're just not receptive, again, that is coming back. That's that's not a parenting problem. That is a relationship issue. And that's where I think you would really need to consider some outside resources to help with that because we have a communication problem. This isn't a parenting problem. It's a, a deeper communication problem and, and probably some objective third party to sort of help us through some of those things might be really beneficial for the parent partner relationship, but also it will help with the relationship with the kids as well. What about after the fact, the damage is done? Should I go up to my son and say, you know, daddy was really upset. I I don't want you to lose your confidence in this way. Sort of, is there a way to redeem the moment for your child without throwing your spouse under the bus? What you could also do in the moment is almost ignore what the partner said. and, And if a mistake was made, you can say, cool, you made a mistake. The other thing that, you know, after the fact, you might just say something like, you know, dad was feeling frustrated. Sometimes we all feel frustrated and we say things that we don't mean. Um, Again, not throwing your partner under the bus, but, you know, helping him understand that we all have big feelings sometimes. And the way those big feelings come out is, you know, sometimes helpful and sometimes it's not. So, The other thing, too, is to remember that like that one incident happened in the moment, but you have all the other moments during the day where you can show encouragement and, 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 you know, give positive feedback to your kids so they feel empowered and capable in other areas. It's not just that one moment. 
Right. There are so many opportunities to have that. And that maybe even going in there together as a united front saying, you know, I'm sorry I was upset and saying dad sometimes has a hard time and going in there together. I just wouldn't have really thought of, of being that transparent with your kids, but they can handle it. You know, Lynn, I love that idea of going in together. If your partner will agree to do that, oh my goodness, what wonderful modeling for kids, right? And and the and the process is important. So I was feeling the parent speaking, I was feeling upset, frustrated, angry, whatever it is. And I let that frustration out by yelling at you. I let that frustration out by saying something unkind to you. And that's not okay. So in the future, this is what I'm going to try to do differently. So it's that full circle of coming clean, I messed up, that was not okay, and this is what I'm doing to try to do better in the future. And so that is you know, great modeling that your kids can learn from, and hopefully they'll take that in and do the same thing with the next blow up they have with their sibling or whatever it happens to be. You say there are ways to resolve conflict in a positive way. What does that look like? Absolutely. We're always going to have conflict, whether it's between the partners or the siblings or between the parent and child. Conflict is going to happen. And that is such a beautiful opportunity to learn the skills to resolve that because you're going to need that later in life. The first piece of it is not trying to solve the conflict when we're triggered in the heat of the moment when everybody's feeling emotional. And you can just say, you know what, guys, I feel like emotions are running high. I'm feeling a little upset right now. So why don't we all take some time, calm our bodies, calm our emotions, and then we can come back and work on solutions. So first, that models that I recognize that I am feeling a bit out of control and I have the power to do something about that, which is something that our kids need to learn in developing their resiliency. But then the next piece of it is we're going to come back together and talk about solutions. So I am not concerned with who did what to whom. I'm not concerned with placing blame. We are a family that focuses on solutions and may not be my solution, but you know, let's all brainstorm together and figure out what is going to make the most sense. I think when we get out of the paradigm of who's at fault, who's getting in trouble, who's getting punished, that's that's when kids feel defensive. That's when we get defensive. And let's just, if we completely shift that um, that mindset about conflict to, wow, this is an opportunity to come up with a new solution that we've never tried before. That is a game changer for your family. And it really teaches your kids important skills that they're going to use you know, in the teen years into their adult life. I mean, it's what your program's all about, positive parenting solutions. And that doesn't just mean how we parent our children. It means how we nurture our relationship with our spouse, which today you've just given us so much value and how we can do that when we can't stand them even, (laughs) that there's a positive way to handle that. Amy McCready, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Lynn, for having me. So Justin, as I said, I mean, I implemented this with my son, that alone time, carving it out, calling it something. It just isn't something I had thought of that can work with your spouse. And it's so important. Well, just getting on the same page, because um, I what Amy was saying about you just don't know where each other are. You know, sometimes during the day, like I feel like we sit down once the kids are in bed. And my wife's like, ah, what a great day. And I'm like, I feel like I've been in a a coal mine for 12 hours. And we're in different places. And you have to have those moments to get connected. Once a couple can't stand each other's parenting styles, can the relationship change? Is there any going back? 
Maybe is it possible for this relationship to evolve? Kate Stahl and her husband are figuring that out. Here's our correspondent, Fleece, with the parenting story of the day. Kate and Ben got along really well until the stress of parenting posed new challenges. My husband and I have always had a great relationship when it comes to communication. Um, We are over talkers, over sharers. And I assumed that um, that would be a positive thing when it came to parenting. Uh, It turns out that expressing every thought that comes into your head when you have little people in front of you sometimes isn't quite as positive. A typically stressful moment was getting the kids out the door in the morning for school. If Kate would raise her voice to get them moving so they wouldn't miss the bus, Ben would raise his voice about Kate raising her voice, and an argument would escalate between the two of them. So it's morning time. I'm telling the kids the bus is coming. We got to find our shoes. We have to find our computers. Is your lunch packed? Do you have your homework? And they're not listening. Or one of them is reading a book and won't won't pick up her book and the other it to you know go start putting her shoes on and my son is playing with the dog rolling around on the floor and he won't get his shoes on so you know first time I'm saying guys it's time to get your shoes on the bus is going to be here in five minutes then it's guys it is time to get your shoes on do you not understand it then it is hey guys if you don't make the bus I'm making you walk to school I'm not driving you and then my husband, who has been in, you know, downstairs getting ready or whatever, all of a sudden is like, what's going on in here? Why are you yelling at them? They're going to make the bus. It's going to be fine. You're just stressing them out even more. And then it becomes, why are you yelling at me? I'm just telling them what to do. They're not listening. And then what was a very normal morning becomes something that's escalated and really combative. Kate saw interactions like that as something that would have taken a few seconds had it not fueled an argument. Ben saw it as yelling, stressing out the kids. One day, their son had a response that hit home. I think I heard him say something one time like, oh, I'm used to this. You guys are always fighting. And I was like, "Ugh, you know, dagger to the heart. Like, I don't want him... I mean, we we can fight about things, but I don't want it to be us fighting about them or their behavior, because the truth is we really are on the same page about it 99.9% of the time in those heated moments or those stressful moments. We're not getting there in a communication front. We're just letting our emotions take over and we are um, taking it out on each other. So that had to stop. What I don't want from our kids is to think, Mommy, Daddy don't really like each other because we do. (laughs) And, you know, how sad for your kids to only see the worst moments of your interactions and not the best. Kate and Ben went to therapy. They found there was more behind these arguments between them. For example, mental load. Mental load is a real thing for mothers, for sure. And when I'm yelling at my son because he's not putting his shoes on and the school bus is going to come, I'm not just mad because... He's not listening to me. I'm mad because I'm thinking if he doesn't get his shoes on, then he's going to miss the school bus. Then I'm going to have to drive him to school. And this is a big one for my daughter. If we're running late for the bus, it's very much more likely she's going to forget her lunch. And then guess what? I'm getting a call 20 minutes later. Then I have to spend, you know, an hour of my day collecting these things, dropping them off at school. 
my day has already started in a very negative place. And all of these things are running through my mind as I'm telling my son to get his shoes on. And so when my husband hears, oh my God, you're freaking out about the shoes. I'm like, no, I'm freaking out about the 30 steps that could happen if the shoes don't go on and we miss the bus. So, you know, that's that's where the anxiety as a mother comes in and why I can get so triggered when he's like, stop yelling, it's not that big of a deal. And you're like, but it is a big deal. It's a big deal for my mental health. It's a big deal for everyone's day. You just don't get it because you're not the one who's gonna have to deal with the fallout of not getting on the bus. They tried new tools. Number one, he needs to remember that my intentions with our children are always good. I have never been, you know, verbally abusive to them. I have never been anything but, you know, of a supportive, loving mother. So he has to take out any kind of triggers in his own head that maybe happened in his past and say, I know what's happening right now. I've been in this situation. Let's take out the emotion for me. Take a deep breath. Then if he still is like, hmm, she's getting really activated right now, (laughs) then he has two choices. Number one, he can step in and say, hey, Kate, why don't you go, you know, take the dog for a walk for a second, and I'll get the kids out to the bus and just get me out of the situation. Number two is say, hey, Kate, can I go talk to you in the other room for a second? And say, hey, listen, I noticed that you're getting a little more mad about the shoes than you usually do. Um, Can I help you with anything? Is there something that we can communicate about now that would help us get to where we need to go? And that validates what I'm trying to do. It validates me as a parent. And it makes him um, feel like he's involved in the process without being uh, a problem in the process. Taking their argument to another room was twofold. They stopped criticizing each other in front of the kids, and it gave them an opportunity to regroup in a quieter environment. If it's my son rolling around with a dog on the floor, and the dog's barking, and everything's chaotic, well, that's a really hard space to have a more calm, calm interaction. But if you can kind of take it to a quiet room, then calmness tends to follow. For Kate, she learned tools like becoming more open to hearing Ben's feedback instead of dismissing it. She also learned how effective it was to talk to your partner in a way they can hear you. I know if I go to my husband and I'm really catty and, um, you know, sarcastic and kind of downgrading his role in our family unit, he he's not going to react well to that. Probably no one would. I really try to come at him in a way that he can hear me, he feels valued, and um, that's going to, you know, take it down a notch. Um, and like, if you come at, if you come to someone in the middle of a conflict and say, you know, that really hurts my feelings when you yell at me in front of the children because it makes me feel like you're saying I'm a bad mom. That's really vulnerable. That's really honest. And it's actually very hard to say. But no, I can't imagine anyone would come back at you and be like, well, you are being a bad mom. I mean, if your husband loves you, he's going to come back and say, well, of course, I don't think that. Of course, you know, you just seem really hyped up right now. And I'm trying to figure out why and I'm trying to help you. And then there was the Oprah voice, you know, 
diffusing an emotional situation between your children or with one child, adding more anger or loud voices or um, intensity to that situation usually doesn't lead to things really calming down. So, you know, I think I said, I tried to put on my best Oprah voice and just say, you know, Ben, um, we've got this uh, in here. If I don't want him, if I don't want him to engage, I'll say, you know, we, Ben, I think we've got this in here. But thank you for for trying to help, and I'll try to speak more calmly. With years of the same arguments triggering the same responses, was it possible for Kate and Ben to have a fresh start? Kate explained that you don't just have one conversation and everything gets solved. Rather, you build equity with each other. She said it takes years to destroy. It can take years to rebuild and that they've rebuilt a lot of it. One thing we really like to do, we'll just take a quick walk around the neighborhood, um, a 20, 30-minute walk, and kind of decompress and go over what happened, how we want to change it, why it happened. Um, And that isn't just because he was triggered. It could be because, you know, I've hit my limit. My son um, has four baseball games this week, and it's too much for me. And can he take on a couple? And then if we can just have a conversation about what really uh, is triggering both of us emotionally, then we can come back together in like a real way. Kate also makes sure to let the kids know, even though she and their dad might argue, they also make up too. You can't compartmentalize parenting and marriage when you're doing it together. You know, when you have the same kids and you have this the same house and, you know, the same dog, it's all wrapped up in one big, you know, magical, sometimes awful, sometimes, you know, always complicated mess of emotions. And, you know, so I think getting this part worked out 100% affected our marriage positively. Um, We're happier because we're doing this thing together better. Doing it together better has brought them results. Their house is more peaceful and they can see a change in their daughter and their son. The biggest success would just be that our, our mornings are calmer, our evenings are calmer, that they are, you know, leaving with smiles on their faces in the morning, coming back with smiles on their faces in the afternoon. Here's my biggest takeaway. Marriage is work. (laughs) Anyone can tell you differently. When you put in the work because you love this person so much, you will reap great benefit. This is just proof of that. Definitely. And I feel like you know, marriages work before you have kids, and then it just uh, everything gets a little bit heightened when you when you bring in uh, the parenting. Um, I really liked the line "doing it together better." Um, that's a great motto. Stencil it above the the bedroom door. <laughs> Yes. Put that on your bathroom window so that you can just remind yourself every single day that it can get better if you try. But the most important thing is that it's worth it. The family benefits from it, that there's work that can be worth it. Today, we have a special guest joining us, and we'll find out how fatherhood is going for him. 
Shanti is a fitness motivator who helps people transform their lives. You know him from workouts like Beach Body on Demand and Hip Hop Abs, programs that he's created like Mood for Food, The Safe Space Community, Relationship Thrivation, and his podcast, Trust and Believe. Most importantly, he is the father of four-year-old twin boys who are, as I said, Shanti, welcome, delicious. They are the sweetest boys. Every time I see you post about them, it brings me such joy. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. It's so great to talk to you. I am smiling from ear to ear. So I want to let you know that I'm feeling the love. And um, thank you so much for having me. We talk about the boys because this has been a long journey for you and Scott to fatherhood. And you call it twin sanity. First, what is twin sanity? How do you balance the two of, of just the schedules, the lifestyle? Because your success is like skyrocketed. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, I don't think that uh, I have a plan. (laughs) I think that in the beginning of this entire journey. So here's a really quick, fun story for you. So it may not sound fun at first, but our boys were in a NICU for about three and a half weeks at first. So we actually had a crash course in fatherhood. I mean, our NICU nurses were incredible. They showed us everything from eating to changing to to just how to deal with crying and, you know, all these amazing things that you needed as a parent. And so when we got home with the boys, we had to fly from, they were born in Texas, so we had to fly from Texas to Arizona. We had this plan and things were going really great. But then you realize that just like we as adults are ever evolving and ever changing, so are the kids. So while we had a really solid master plan when they were infants, now, you know, twins, they, be, they become their own people at this age. And so not every schedule works for each boy. And it's just so wild and crazy. And you almost imagine, okay, once these babies are here, they're in your arms, everything is perfect, right? Well, that's not life. And you actually talked in a podcast episode about you and Scott and that this marriage dynamic changes so dramatically when you become parents. And you were actually arguing a good bit. Like you expect it to be perfection and all of a sudden it's like, wait. Are we falling apart? Tell us about that. I am so happy that you brought that up, Lynn, because I think a lot of people see, especially with social media in the mm-hmm. world and and just people's idea that showing perfection is motivational or inspirational. But I also believe that expressing and showing and being vulnerable and transparent with your struggles in your life and in your relationship can really help other people too because it makes other people feel not alone Mm -hmm. and it makes them feel a little more normal so I would say maybe two months into having kids it was terrible it was getting no sleep with twins it was two people who were raised two different ways trying to navigate these two little humans that you have to keep alive. But did you have that moment like, are we going to still be together at the end of this? Here's the thing. We never had the moment of, are we still going to be together? We just didn't know how we were going to survive to be together. (laughs) (laughs) Like, We had no help at the time. We had no babysitters, no nannies. So that was another thing we really argued about. I, I used to say, Scott, we need to have help. And he was like, we could do this. We could do this on our own. But, and I was like, we clearly can't because we're fighting like every day. But the turning point to that was one time I was like, we need to go out on a date night. And we went to a restaurant and Scott had a burger for the first time. He got dressed for the first time. 
I mean, prior to that, he looked like a soccer player that just sat the bench for like three months. You know? like, and so we got to the restaurant. We had a burger. And then I remember us leaving the restaurant and we sat in a car for two hours and just talked. And then we realized that the whole time that we had had these incredible boys, we weren't having an incredible time because we never looked up. I think when people have children and they're so fascinated and obsessed, you know, we love, you love when you have a kid, you're constantly looking down and you forget to look your spouse in the eye, you know, because it's always, what do we do for them instead of, well, what do we do for each other first so that we can collectively come together as a team and build them up. When you change the dynamic from who has the better plan to, well, it doesn't matter. We need to have a great plan together and then we can attack this. And so it just became really fun to almost humble yourself and say, for me to say, okay, Scott wants to do this today. I'm like, okay, cool, let's try it. And so we try it and sometimes it works. And then he's like, humble enough to say, all right, let's try your way. And there's no arguing. It's more like, okay, cool, it's your turn to go. And the reason why that was so profound is because we do that to this day. And it stopped. We don't argue about the kids anymore. I think that relationships, especially when it comes to kids, it is really working together as a team and as as parents. Or even if you're a single parent, you know, who is your tribe? Who is going to help you out? Who is going to be the person that has your back? Um, who do you have on call to help you out and work together and you know, hopefully you can get through it and do the best that you can do. When your different styles of parenting clash and you sort of feel like, I can't stand that he does that, how do you communicate with each other? I think it's just being able to read your partner, read their body language, instead of getting mad right away. We always talk about, okay, what's really going on? Because I talk in my book a lot, too, about it's not the thing, it's the thing. Most of the time when you're mad or frustrated with your spouse specifically it's like but what's really going on like are you frustrated with the kids are you frustrated at work because if you didn't do anything specifically to this person to cause this reaction we know we have to dig a little deeper and it really helps us kind of manage each other's frustration and manage each other's help each other in the roles that we feel we are better at And that's kind of like, it feels like one of the core messages of Relationship Thrivation, this program Mm -hmm. and how it can help parents. It's all about staying in a space where you can thrive in your relationship. We talked to so many couples, whether they had kids or not, and we saw that they just weren't communicating. You know, some people get into this life where it's, you know, we come home at five, we make dinner, we sit down, this person goes here, this person goes here, and then you kind of, you're on this hamster wheel of no change. And so we really talk about how to have date nights, even if you have to stay in the house and have a picnic in your room or just and and even ways to be more intimate. Because if you really want to talk about the real real, a lot of times couples aren't even as intimate as they want to be because they're either so stressed about the kids or so stressed about work. And I believe there's a thin line between disconnection and connection. And that thin line is communication. The minute you allow yourself to become vulnerable to your spouse, the minute they feel like they can help, the minute somebody feels like they can help you, they feel needed, wanted, and appreciated. And you up-level their ability to 
feel like they can do something for you and add value to the relationship. And that's why relationship vibration is really based on communication in many different types of ways. And being yourself. I love that you say to your over 1 million followers, be unapologetically yourself. What does that mean to you? I'll say this for people who are listening who may have a hard time being themselves. You have to do an audit of who you are. Are you a good person? Do you put good energy out into the world? Are you being authentically you? When you wake up, do you feel like you're putting on a show or do you feel like you're sitting in your own greatness? And so if you can say you're doing good for the world, you're putting good energy out as as much as you can because there's no such thing as 100% positive energy because we all go through something. But if you really do an audit of yourself in the foundation of who you are and you're a good person, then build on that. Be yourself. And I learned this lesson really from my mom. My mom, when we would come home and say, oh, you know, this kid doesn't like me or this kid doesn't like, my mom would say, there are 6 billion people in the world. Are you really worried about that one person? And even as a young kid, it put such a big perspective. The world is so big. Be who you are and you will attract the people who love you for who you are. And that the best lesson is to be unapologetically you. It has been so wonderful talking to you. I adore you sending my love to Scott and a big, huge virtual hug to you too for doing such a great job with these boys. Thank you, Lynn. All right, you stuck around. So let's give away a $50 Munchkin gift card. The first 10 people to use the code SPOUSE at munchkin.com will get $50 off. So get to typing. That's the show for today. I hope you got as much out of it as I did. And our sincere thanks to our guests, Amy McCready, Kate Stahl, and Sean T. As always, thank you for taking this wild ride with us and listening. You're why we do this. We want to make sure that you spread the word, share it with your play group. You're why we're here. We want to grow this community. So spread word to your friends about the show. Thank you to Munchkin for helping us put all of this together. No wonder they're the most loved baby brand in the world. You know, you can find all of your Munchkin products at Bye Bye Baby. At Stroller Coaster, we're about community. So if you have stroller mail, a story you want to share, a question you want to ask Justin and I, or even just a topic you want to hear more about, we want to hear from you. Reach out to us at podcast at munchkin.com. Now something every parent can use and certainly deserves. A timeout for you. Munchkin loves our planet and cares so much about animals, partnering with IFA, the International Fund for Animal Welfare. So for today's audio moment of calm, please enjoy Wild Horses Out on the Range in Nevada. Enjoy relaxing, and we'll see you next time on Stroller Coaster.